Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Do you feel disorganized? Whether it's your office, your living space, or maybe even your mind, today's guest has some great tips to help get organized and have a clean start in 2020. Susan McCauley is a professional organizer. She's also part of the Christian group Faithful Organizers. Today, she'll help us clear our living spaces and our minds and help bring a sense of peace and clarity to 2020. Susan McCauley is a professional organizer. She's also part of the Christian group Faithful Organizers. We're starting off a new year, and a lot of people's New Year's resolution is to get organized. How do we do that? Do you have some tips for people out there? Uh, one thing to think about is you don't want to try and tackle everything at once because, you know, people start off in a new year with all kinds of different ideas of what they want to change everything in their home, in their finances, in their eating, in their exercising, um, and it becomes very overwhelming in itself. So you want to take little bits at a time. Um, one of the things I say over and over and over again is you need to start with a vision of what you want organized. Is it your time management? Is it your home space? Is it your workspace? Um, and when I zero in, for example, on let's talk about uh, time. I want to be more organized with when my events are coming up in the day. Um, I want to make sure that I'm not missing appointments. If you're dealing with paperwork, um, I want to be able to find things easily when I need them. So maybe it's creating a new filing system. Um, And then where are you going to keep the papers? Because not everybody, um, there are some things we still need in paper form. Um, If you have things that you want to organize on your computer filing, uh, that's a whole different world in itself. Um, instead of just going, where did I put that? Where did I put that? Um, if you're talking about the home, your home, what do you want each room to look like? I like that thought, Susan, of uh, picturing what you want before you start. I, I promised my wife over the Christmas break I would organize the garage so she had room for her car again. That's a good idea. So what I did was everything in the middle of the garage to begin, and I had this huge pile of stuff, and I ended up so overwhelmed, I spent more time just sitting in a chair staring at it than actually yeah. doing anything. <laughs> yeah. So what you want to do, let's use the example of the garage that you just talked about, if you walk into the garage and going, oh, man, this is so overwhelming. I, I don't even know where to start. First of all, think about, okay, there's all those bags from the last trip we were on, or maybe there's our last camping gear when we went camping, or maybe there's the stuff, the boxes I brought home from my friend's place or my parents' place because it's now something that we've inherited um, because they gave it to us now. Um, and you just didn't know where to put it, so you plunk it. And so, again, that's what happens when you don't have homes for things. Things get plunked because your brain is so full trying to deal with other things. It's like one more thing to think about. So by plunking it, that's a really good indicator that there are no homes and you you really didn't know where to put it. So say, for example, with the garage, um, before the pile was there, were the other spaces in the garage organized? Did they have homes? Um, like in your workbench area, if you have a workbench area in the garage, is it specific that this area is for gardening stuff, this area is for car stuff, this area is where I keep my extra tires, this area is where I have X whatever? Um, the idea is, is the clearer it is for your brain to know where to put things, you are more likely to put them away. So we've decided everything has a home first. What's our next step? Think of... Uh, driving down any busy 
um, main street in a city where there's lots going on visually. It's harder for you to actually zone in and find an address of where you're trying to go. Yes, you can use Google Maps, but sometimes you still might not be able to figure out exactly where it is. Whereas if you drive down a quiet residential street, it's way easier to find what you're looking for. Uh, another thing to think about is I can't drive down two streets at once. I can only drive down one street at a time, right? You can't split you and your car in half. So the idea with that, and the, why I'm saying this is because sometimes when people get started working on something, they get sidetracked because they don't have a plan. They don't have a vision of what they're working on right at that particular time. That's totally me. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's exactly me. So for people like that, what do we do? Well, uh, first of all, with the vision, you need to, as clear as possible. So then you go, let's go back to the garage because I'm, I'm liking that idea. Um, first of all, if it's 40 below out and you don't have a heated garage, you're probably not going to want to be out there. <laughs> That's the first thing, because it's too cold. If you can make it warmer by bringing in a heater, great. If not, my suggestion short term is pile it in the corner for now, and I know that sounds horrible, or take it into the basement if you can, or take it into some place where you can actually sort through it. If it's items that need to be kept outside or if they need to go to a shed that's un- in, unheated for winter, but it's stuff that could get damaged from the cold, then try and create a storage space in your basement or in a storage room um, so that it's not being damaged. Then, for many, comes the challenging part. Susan, this is when people have to decide what they'll give away and, and what they'll throw out. Take each item that you pick up and you need to make a decision on it. First category that I start with all the time is, you've always heard, keep, toss, donate. Turn that around. You want to, can I donate this? Can I give this to a family or friends? Is this garbage recycling or am I keeping it? But Susan, I'm, I might be able to use that cord that I haven't used in eight years. I might need <laughs> it next week if I give it away. What am I going to do? Okay, so <laughs> let me ask you, uh, when, when we work with people and, and even in my own environment, um, and I always tell people this, to make a decision on something, before you work on the huge pile, you subgroup. So put all the electrical cords together. Put all the hammers together if you've got your hammers in the garage. Because when you see the magnitude of what you have of one item, of the the same type of item, it's easier for your brain to make a decision because you forget out of sight, out of mind. You might have 15 extension cords that are all just kind of sitting in different places. Whereas when they do have a home and you see all 15 together, you go, okay, this is kind of crazy. I use maybe one or two extension cords for this and this, but I really don't need all the rest of these. Now, what about people that are having a hard time getting rid of these things like that eight-year-old cord? Or, for example, we just passed the holidays yeah. and our kids in some homes have received large amounts of items right. and you don't know what to do with them and you know that your kids aren't going to get rid of uh, certain things. What do we do in those situations? Okay. I like to use a lot of analogies, and I'll give you another analogy. It's like having a puzzle with a bunch of puzzle pieces. And all of a sudden, there's more puzzle pieces that come in that you are trying to fit into the puzzle. It's not all going to fit. At some point, you have to think, okay, let's take 
if they received, like with the kids' toys, if they received some more sort of building block kind of things, whether it's Lego Duplo, um, the older style, because you can still buy them, Lincoln Logs or Tinker Toys or Jenga or something that's a building kind of thing. Have them all together and, again, decide which one do you really, what are your favorites? We use 20% of our stuff 80% of the time. Wow. So if you think of 10 pairs of pants or 10 coffee mugs, you're going to gravitate to your favorite first, second, and third favorite. Four, five, and six you might use once in a while. Seven, eight, nine, ten you never use. It's just taking up space. Now, season shifting gears a little bit, we noticed that you're part of something called Faithful Organizers. Correct. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how does how does faith and organization intersect and how have you found them to work together in your own experience? Well, one thing about when you're dealing with an environment, whether it's physical environment, uh, emotional, mental environment that's got lots of clutter going on and things just aren't organized in your mind or in your in your physical space, it does affect your spiritual life because when you're being distracted by lots of what's going on around you, it doesn't give you a chance to slow down, calm yourself, and settle in. Um, for example, when you sit down to have your devotional time, is there a lot of things around you that are screaming at you? And I call it screaming at you because that's how some clients refer to it as, if you're sitting in the, the, the living room, the family room, or a sunroom, or wherever it is where you want to sit quietly to just have devotions, um, whereas if some people like to just go away to a quiet place, and that could be a physical quiet place, but also an uh, uh, audio, audio quiet place. Um, so turning, having things turned off, having physical quiet area and if you really don't have a place right now then maybe take a look at starting in one place that you can start to remove some of the visual disorganization and the visual clutter and making it a very calming place think of when you go on a on a holiday what's the first thing you think of when you walk into the hotel room or the condo or the resort place that you're going to be staying at for a week or two what's the first thing when you walk through the door uh, clean yeah, clean and nice. Okay, but what happens to your, do you feel like all tense? No. It's, you just kind of like, ah. Yeah. You take Relax. that deep breath yeah. and I'm here, and right? And that's exactly what happens when people, I watch it all the time. Instead of that heavy tenseness when it starts to come down and it starts to, the, that drops because you can let your shoulders down. The stress starts to leave because you do have a place that you can settle in. And that's what happens then. It allows your brain to slow down so that you can focus on your devotions. It doesn't uh, hurt either that, you know, 24 hours from now, somebody's going to come and clean it again for you. So. Whoa! <laughs> no, that's part of maintenance, and that's part of changing up habits and behaviors. Ah, yeah. Creating routines, habits, and behaviors are part of getting organized as well. But back to the... To the um, Allowing you time to just slow down because it says be still and know that I am Lord. How are you going to be still if you don't still your, your, your surroundings? Susan, I already hear the counter argument though. These are all great, but 
I'm too busy to do this. How do we make time to get organized? Well, the big key thing is, is it's just like you have a routine of you brush your teeth. You know when you're brushing your teeth, right? Uh, in the morning and at night, usually for some people. Some people it's three times a day. Some people floss. But creating that routine for what can work with your schedule. And, and I'm not talking about work with your really hectic schedule right now. I'm talking about how can I... How can I get up five or ten minutes earlier in the morning to start off a quiet read time and a quiet time with God before I start my day? Or do I want to have my breakfast, then get my coffee, and then go sit quietly? Because for some people, it's once everybody's out of the house. Or for some people, on their way to work when they park their car. Before you leave your car to go into your workspace, maybe that's where you have your quiet read time and your quiet time with God. Um Creating habits, changing behaviors, and having good routines is extremely important for keeping up a schedule because we all have crazy busy lives. And that's another piece of it is really reflecting on what do I need to really be doing? Because we can fill our days with being busy, but is that busyness really what we need to be doing? It's just like I watch TV all evening. Okay, so what are you watching? Is it really something that's uh, building you up? Is it something that's edifying? Is it something that's healthy? Or is it just something? And sort of editing out certain things and treating the other things that you want to really watch. Um, by doing that, treat those things more as a reward of taking time after you do, you know, make supper, work through the supper routine, get the dishes done, tidy up after that, maybe do a couple of other things. Now I can sit down and watch that one thing I really want to watch or the two things I really want to watch. And then creating at the end of your night a wind down and a a conclusion to the day of your devotional time. What about setting a timer for things we want to do, though, like going on social media and things where we can get lost in time? Some of the strategies that are very helpful is if you say, well, I I just don't have time to do a a quiet read in the morning or a quiet read at the end of the day. Look at the clock. Do you have analog clocks in your home or do you have digital? If you use analog clocks and it's 8, 10, you know that it's 10 minutes into the hour and you have 50 minutes left. Hmm. If you look at a digital clock that says 810, yeah, it's 810. doesn't give you any perspective of where you are in the day. I like that. It's a If you have an analog clock, a giant pie chart on your wall showing <laughs> you what you have left. Correct. <laughs> the other thing is, for some people, even in the bathroom, put a, a clock in the bathroom. Put a clock... I'm going to tell everybody, and I have no problem saying it. I have clocks in every room in my home. I even have a clock in the summer that we hang in the backyard. Because if I'm out gardening where I love being, I can get lost in time. Hmm. The other thing is is with using, that's an analog clock, which is great for visual, quick looking to see where you are, using a timer. Cell phones have timers. Set your timer for 20 minutes at a time, or 15 if that's better for you. Susan, what else can we do with that? You can use it for a variety of things. I have a client uh, a couple of years ago that I worked with, and I tell my, 
a lot of people I work with, use your timer for everything. Just carry it with you and use it all the time, especially when you're first getting into changing up habits and routines because what you're teaching your brain as well is when your brain looks at an overwhelming project, your brain then will say, oh, yeah, the last time I did this, it did take me just over half an hour because you're starting to teach your brain to gauge so that when you look at a project, you're not going to walk away in defeat before you even start. Well, we're going to get our notebook and go look at my office and figure out what to do with that disaster now. All right, that sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you missed part of today's conversation or you just want to listen again, you can listen to the full interview at the Connections page at your radio station's website.